Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Star of Rock Murders with Andy Hale. I've got an update I want to talk about. I've got some venting I want to do. But let me first say this. I'm recording this episode on Friday, December 22nd. Okay. And guess what? It was seven years ago today, seven years ago today, that I first reached out to Chester Weaker. I'm looking at an email that I sent to my paralegal dated December 22nd, 2016. I sent this at 3.31 p.m. And it said, I'd like to set up an attorney visit with inmate Chester Weger, number C01114. He's at the Pickneyville Correctional Center. Please fax or email a request to the prison. Please request the meeting be on Tuesday, December 27th. That's how this journey all began seven years ago today. It's hard to believe we've been fighting that long to prove Chester's innocence, but we have seven years. Okay, so I wanted to share that. I thought that was pretty pretty amazing and pretty telling. So also today, I sent uh, another letter to James Glasgow, the Will County State's Attorney, and I'll read it to you. I sent this this morning. Dear Mr. Glasgow, on December 14th, I wrote you requesting that the Will County State's Attorney's Office, as the special prosecutor assigned to this case, vacate Chester Weger's conviction in light of the new genetic genealogy results. It has been over a week, and we have not heard back. We would appreciate the courtesy of a response. Sincerely, Andrew M. Hale. Okay. Well... We got a response back today at uh, this afternoon, not from Mr. Glasgow, but from one of his assistants. And it, uh, <laughs> it simply said this. I'm reading this verbatim from the email I got. Our position has not changed on vacating Mr. Weger's conviction. That's it. That's what they told me. So here we are seven years later and... The battle will continue. Obviously, I'm extremely disappointed in the result, them saying they're not gonna, Will County not gonna vacate the conviction, but no information, no, no, no discussion, no, no, nothing. That was it. That was it. So we're gonna keep plowing ahead and we're going to continue to try to find out the identity of the particular brother whose hair was found on Francis Murphy. I talked to the lab today, the Othram lab, that they're still working on that part of the, of the process. Uh, they assured me they will be successful. It just might take a little more time. So we're going to get there. We're going to get there. Uh, and so that will continue. That will continue. But let me put this in context a little bit. I just want to talk a little bit more about Will County while I'm on the topic. The Will County State's Attorney's Office was appointed the special prosecutor in January of 2021. Now, as a special prosecutor, that means Will County's in charge. Will County State's Attorney's Office is the decision maker. They could vacate this conviction today if they wanted to. They have the power. They don't have to get the court's approval. They are literally the decision makers. Now, if they never agree to do it, the courts are still our plan B, and we've got our petition for post-conviction relief pending. So we, all, we still have that track, but we shouldn't have to wait. 
uh, all that time that it's going to take because we've proven the case right now, in my opinion. But let me go back in time and just give people a little more context about how this has played out. So like I said, Will County is appointed in January of 2021. So Will County has been the special prosecutor in the case all of 2021, all of 2022, all of 2023. Three years, okay? And a state's attorney's job, a prosecutor's job, by statute here in Illinois and in every jurisdiction, is to seek justice, not merely to convict. To seek justice, to seek the truth, okay? That is their mandate, to seek justice. So let's talk about 2021. What did Will County do? When they were appointed, they opposed me even looking at the physical evidence with my eyeballs. They were opposed at me even looking. Let me think about this. Even looking at the physical evidence. Can you imagine that? Being opposed to me even being able to view it? Well, that got overruled, of course. The judge let us look at the evidence. That was a frivolous objection. Then we saw the evidence, and it was an incredible shape. Mr. Glasgow had told me it was a complete disaster. That was a misrepresentation. The evidence was not a complete disaster. The evidence was incredible. There were all kinds of glass slides, labeled envelopes. I mean, the evidence for a 60-year-old case was amazing. Well, then we wanted to test evidence. What did Will County say? No. They opposed that. They opposed us testing any of the evidence. So we had to go to the court. What did the court do? Court overruled that objection, said, no, I'm going to let Mr. Hale test the evidence, which we did, okay? Uh, and we proceeded with forensic testing. That's when we got the DNA result that that hair on Francis Murphy was not Chester Uyghur, which was huge. Guess how many people Will County interviewed in 2021? Zero. They interviewed zero people. Nobody. All right. No interviews, all right? Uh, I know this because they have to disclose to me the interviews that they, they, that they do, and they have. All right, so that's year one. That's year one. Opposed me looking at the evidence with my eyes, opposed forensic testing, zero interviews. Let's go to 2022. How many interviews? One. The whole year, one interview. And who was that? James Murphy. They interviewed him on October 28th, 2022. I know this because they produced a report to me. James Murphy, if you recall, he is the son of the woman that Robert Murphy married a couple years after the Starve Rock murders, after Francis Murphy was killed. James Murphy was born, however, a few months before the Starve Rock murders, as we've talked about. So the only significance of James Murphy, he obviously has, you know, he's born, he's, he's two months old when the murders take place. He has no personal knowledge of anything. The only relevance uh, is who is his biological father? Could his biological father have been Robert Murphy? Could it have been, and I'm just saying it's a theory that you have to investigate, could Robert Murphy have conceived that little boy, two months before the murders. And that's a fair, fair 
angle of investigation in any case like this, of course, you're going to look into that, right? So I bring it up because that's something that had to be looked into and should be looked into. But guess what? When Will County interviews him in 2022 in October, they don't even ask him about that. They don't even ask him about that. It's not even a topic in the memo that I was given. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's the only relevance of this guy, right? And they didn't even bring it up with him. That's all they did, Will County, in 2022 for interviews. That's it. Just him. And not even asking him about, you know, who his biological father is, according to him. All right, let's continue. It's now been two years, okay? They've done one interview, James Murphy. We're now in year three, 2023. Will County got a little more active this year. They did three interviews. Three. They interviewed David Reculia, the son of the prosecutor, Tony Reculia, on March 10th, 2023. Uh, he obviously has no personal knowledge of anything. They interviewed James Murphy again, number two, on April 19th. And this time they did ask him, you know, I think at my urging, they did ask him to submit to a DNA test. And he said he needed to think about it. And apparently he's still thinking about it, which is his choice because we haven't gotten any DNA results from him. So we don't know who James Murphy's biological father is. And then the third interview just took place recently on November 29th. Alice Rona, uh, her last name is spelled B-O-E-H-M, but, but it was Smokey Rona's sister was interviewed. Okay, that's it. So in the three years, that's what Will County has done. They have not interviewed any of the people that we have uncovered. The woman whose grandfather told her this was a mob hit, uh, Roy Tyson, James Woods, Robert Harris, all these names we've disclosed. The attorney who the woman uh, worked for who talked about her grandfather with the mob. None of those people got interviewed. and. They've done no forensic testing. Will County, uh, just to be clear, you know, Will County's job is to seek justice. They can do forensic testing. You know, people want to criticize me. Oh, you only tested how many hairs? You only tested certain things. Will County can test whatever they want. If this is a search for the truth and there's something they think should be tested, test it. If there's something you think I didn't test that needs to be tested, test it. They haven't tested anything. They haven't sought to do any of that. So just let me ask you, let me put it this way. In the three years that Will County's had the case, does it just sound to you like it's been a thorough investigation? Does that sound to you like a real search for the truth? Does that sound like an interest in really finding out what happened in Starbreck State Park in March of 1960? Draw your own conclusions. I've drawn mine. And here's the thing. Let me be clear about this. It is not like... This is just some little flimsy case where we came to Will County and said, hey, there's this murder. We want you to investigate it. We think this is person's innocent. But I had no evidence and no basis to even ask them to investigate it. Okay? I could see in a case like that where maybe a state's attorney's office just wouldn't do anything. In this case, I have presented overwhelming evidence of Chester Uyghur's innocence. I've actually proven his innocence. I've proven it. I've proven it. And despite all the evidence that I have submitted, and listeners on this podcast know, 
if you've followed us on this journey, if you've listened to every episode, you've heard me talk about all these different items of evidence. The log not being the murder weapon, the twine being cut in two different by two different ways, uh, the forestry expert not matching up the log, the twine being misrepresented. I mean, I could go on and on and on. The telephone operator overhearing hearing the two men talking about with the kid with the bloody overalls in the trunk of the car, Lois Selensek, and then the polygraph exams and the Palmateer brothers. I mean, oh my God. I mean, we could go on and on and on. And if you haven't listened to all the episodes, please, please, over the holidays, start at number one and work your way through them all. And you can, you can join us on this journey. So my point is, we have presented so much that anybody who is being fair would say, holy cow, wow, okay, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. Let's, let's check it out. Let's do everything we can to check it out. You decide what the state of affairs is. You can decide based on those four interviews and no forensic testing and opposing everything we wanted to do. Uh, you can make up your own decisions. And by the way, I'll just bring up another little anecdote because I think it kind of puts this in perspective. When I met with Mr. Glasgow on May 28th, 2021, when he was still opposing me looking at the evidence with my eyeballs, when he told me the evidence was a complete disaster, one of the things he told me was he was talking about how the women, you know, were subdued. And he made a comment that, oh, well, maybe uh, Chester had his had his 22 rifle, and that's how he subdued the women. All right, so he's on his break at work, and he got his rifle, and he walked out into the woods in this premeditated act, and then he subdued the women, bludgeoned them all, and came back to his office. What's interesting about that comment is it mirrors Tony Reculia's talking points in a video he gave years ago um, to a group of lawyers. Uh, I've talked about this, that... that uh, Illinois Continuing Legal Education Seminar, where he was there, John Drummond was there, they were talking about the media. Donna Kelly was there, Chester's attorney. And Tony Reculia said, oh, well, I think maybe Chester, you know, had that rifle with him and he subdued those ladies in that way. Okay, well, that's preposterous in my opinion, but I just think it's interesting that Mr. Glasgow brought that up. I wonder if he thought of that on his own or if he got that somewhere else. But in any event... We are where we are. This is where we're at on December 22nd. We fought for seven years. We are going to continue to fight. And I, I promise you this. I will make this prediction. I'll be Muhammad Ali right now. We're going to get it done. We are going to get this conviction vacated. I guarantee that right now. It is going to happen. It's just a matter of when. And I think what's happening is the can just gets kicked down the road. Unfortunately, the court process, you know, it just takes time. It takes time. And Chester is going to be 85 years old in March. Does this sound like, like time is of the essence when you had no interviews in 2021, you had one interview in 2022, and you had these three interviews in 2023? You make up your own mind. You draw your own conclusion. Oh, my gosh. So here's where we're at. The genetic genealogy is proceeding. We are in the process of trying to determine exactly which brother that hair belonged to. As soon as we find out, we'll let you know. I'm hoping that can be done uh, sometime within the next month. 
We're back in court on January 10th, 2024 for status hearing. Uh, maybe we'll know by then. And the court case is proceeding. The status of that is Will County will be filing a motion to dismiss our post-conviction petition. Uh, I don't think they have any valid arguments they can make. I'm, they're obviously going to make some. We'll see what they say. But I don't think there's anything persuasive they can say. And then we'll file a reply brief. And the judge will take time to you know, consider that and rule on that. And if we survive that, then there'll be a third stage hearing, which is like a trial. We'll have a trial. Uh, hopefully sometime next year, we'll, we'll put on all our evidence, everything we've talked about. We'll put on all our evidence, and the judge will decide whether we've made it, met our burden, whether it's more likely true than not that Chester Weger is innocent. And I feel confident we're going to meet that burden uh, in light of everything we've talked about on this podcast and in light of the cherry on top, which is the most important thing, this genetic genealogy result. And I'll say one more thing about that before we go. I've seen people on social media and people saying things like maybe the hair was contaminated. You can't contaminate a hair with touch DNA. A thousand people can touch that hair. The hair gets washed before it gets tested. And you test the, the inside of the hair. You're testing you know, the, 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 the hair material. You're not testing the outside. It's not contaminated. The other thing is people now want to, and I think this is one of the most ridiculous arguments I've seen, people want to completely change the story now. You know, the confession, you know, Will County has told us they believe the confession. That's what they told us in court. We believe the confession. Well, what's the confession? The confession is Chester's on his break, taking a walk in the woods. He stumbles upon these three women, spontaneously decides, I think I'll rob them. And then there's a little bit of an altercation. He winds up getting in a struggle with them, kills one, has to kill all three, and then goes back to his job. Okay, that's the confession, okay, which is absolutely ridiculous. And in fact, Mr. Glasgow told me that at our very first meeting. He didn't believe the confession. He told me that. That's not what they're saying in court now, but that's, that's not what he told me when I met with him face-to-face. -face. So that's the confession, and he did it by himself. Now what people want to say is, oh, you've got a hair from another person at the crime scene. Well, maybe that's just somebody that was also involved. Okay. You can't just completely move the goalposts. You can't change the entire story. So what? Now Chester Weger did it with somebody else on his break, two people. And I can tell you this, this the, the name of these brothers, it's nobody that Chester Weger knew. It's nobody he has a connection to. So, you know, that's how desperate people are to keep this conviction in place, okay? So none of that is going to fly. But that's the kind of stuff I'm reading now. And it really gets exhausting having to constantly explain these things to all the naysayers out there. You know, let them continue to say what they want. It's irrelevant to me. I just choose not to give it any air. I'm on a mission. I'm focused. I know what I got to do. I got my eye on the ball. I know where I got to get. We're going to get there. We're going to keep marching ahead. And that's where we're at. So let me end this way. Let's end up on a, on an upbeat note. It's December 22nd. To everybody out there who supported us and listened and reached out to us and Chester's family, thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of my heart. On behalf of Chester, Mary, and their entire family, we wish you all a very Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and a Happy New Year. And rest assured, we will continue continue, continue to prove Chester's innocence, and we are going to get there. 
So stay tuned, everybody. We'll be back in touch soon. This show was produced by Phineas Ellis and Studio Friends. Design and promotion by Bell and Ivy. I'm your host, Andy Hale. I look forward to talking with you real soon.